I mean, is anybody here that would say they haven't had their heart broke? I mean, that's awesome. Hey, God. Yeah, it was uh, seventh grade, and her name was Jody, And it was like the, my first real crush, right? And she crushed me. She broke my heart. You can relate, right? You know, someone said understanding God is like trying to understand a woman. Dan, you can't believe I got away with that. I haven't gotten away, not yet. So Helen Rowland, she's an American writer, she said this, to be happy with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and try not to understand her at all. <laughs> be careful, men. Be careful, don't clap. So in our second week, of uh, this new series we're called Talking to the Moon, where we're learning how to love a God that is seemingly elusive, a God that at times is hard to love. Sometimes we, we, we feel like we're crying out to a God, we're crying out to the moon, but the moon or God isn't talking back. If we're honest, we don't always understand the God that we love, and that's okay, we don't have to. But some of us would even go a, little, a step further and say, not only do I not understand it, but sometimes, if I'm being completely real, he seems a bit cruel, right? I mean, we live in a world where bad things happen. In fact, Monday I was studying for this message, and, and I get a text from, from the school that my kids go to. They're on emergency lockdown. Oh, that's awesome. Don't attempt to call. Don't attempt to contact your kid, you know. I'm like, uh, so I call my wife, and we, we start praying, and it turns out that it was a, there was a loud noise, and they shut down the whole school because they thought it was a gunshot, and I understand that's precautionary, that's a good thing, right? But, but I mean, come on, we're in a world where you hear a sound, and you got to shut the school down? It's a cruel world, and, and, and sometimes we feel like our hearts have been broken, but worse yet, our hearts have been broken by God. Right? It's one thing to have your heart broken by, by a seventh grade crush, but man, sometimes you feel like, God, you broke my heart. And see, this, that thing turned out fine for us, right? I mean, our kids were okay, but you know, it doesn't turn out fine for everyone. We don't always understand the things of God. And at times, God seemingly breaks our heart. And people, you know, Christians say, well, well, well God's got a plan, Right? It's one of our axioms, right? One of our, our, you know, the Christian platitudes that we have. Well, tell that to Bridget. I ran into Bridget. She works at Home Depot and uh, doesn't go to this church. But Bridget was sharing that her, she lost her son this, this past year. Tell her that God's got a plan and everything's going to be okay when she's in the midst of her misery. You know, sometimes, if we're honest, we feel like God's plan kind of stinks, I mean, sometimes it's just, it feels like it's a rotten plan. Sometimes we feel like God is cruel. But you know, I'm so proud of Bridget. You know what she said? She said she wanted to get tattooed on her left wrist. She hasn't done it yet, but she wants to get tattooed the words, God has a plan. And I thought to myself, wow, that is a mature woman of God who understands, at least in part, the ways of God, a God that we don't understand, a God that we can't explain, a God that's hard to articulate, and yet does have a plan for us. And, and here's, God's plan is like the creation of a marble statue, right? It, it, it takes time to create that statue. But God, through the master's chisel, he's chipping away at her rough edges 
one stroke at a time. And he's making us into the masterpieces that he's called us to be. Here's the big idea. It's a thought from Alexander McLaren. The longest way round is the shortest way home. Why don't you think about that for a second? God, the God that we serve is not in a hurry. He is not anxious. He knows exactly what he's doing. But let me tell you something. The work of God is slow. It's painful. It's tedious. And sometimes it drives you to the brink. But make no mistake. What seems like cruelty is the faithful character-building work of a God that loves us and is shaping us into the very vessels he's called us to be. We're going to see that in the story of Joseph today. Joseph, in Genesis 37, if you have your Bible, Genesis 37, Joseph had it all. I mean, he was, he was young, he was good-looking, he was the favorite son of his father, Jacob, and, as if that weren't enough, God gave him a dream. He gave him this dream where, where his, his uh, family was going to, to bow down to him, right? He had it made, but the dream wasn't lived out the way he thought it was. Things, can, can someone relate? Maybe God gave you a dream at some point. God whispered something to you, but the way in which that was lived out, the timing of that looked a whole lot different than you may have thought. Maybe you can relate. So one day, this uh, 17-year-old young man is out with his jealous brothers in the field, and they conspired against him. And what did they do? They threw him in an empty well. Lord, we thank you as we come before you and we get ready to get into your word, God. Just speak to us through your word. We, we don't always understand you, but we know you got a plan. Help us understand that plan a bit more, as much as we can in these, these uh, human bodies, God. We just thank you that you would shed some light on that, God, and help us from your word today. Illuminate uh, that plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Three necessary P's to God, God's plan. Number one, the pit. If you're taking notes, write this down. The pit positions us. Genesis 37. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Oh, well, that's convenient. No water in it at least, right? But they throw him into a well. Not a very fun way to, to start in this story. And yet, it was exactly where God wanted him to be. Uh, if you want to understand God's plan and what seems to be cruel, if you really want to articulate God's plan, you have to understand the persecution paradox. The persecution paradox. What I mean? That God uses persecution not to harm us, but to help us, right? We, we associate persecution in this world with everything bad. But the, the ways of God are peculiar. He'll use persecution to help us. The pit wasn't a trap. It was God's provision. It was God's preparation. See, the brothers, they were planning on killing Joseph, and it was a safe haven. It was like a, a, a train station where he would wait out while the incoming train would come. Well, wait, wait a second. If that's a train station, where's the train? The train was a caravan of people headed for Egypt. That was the train. Here it comes. And, of course, the brothers are like, well, wait a second. We could sell them, and we could make some money and get rid of them which they did. They sold them for 20 shekels, which is about, worth about 200 bucks. I mean, imagine getting sold out by your family for 200 bucks. And some of you are like, yeah, I got sold out by my family for less than that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know. I get it. Trust me. But we look at that as, oh, that's a bad thing to get thrown in the bottom. God's like, no, no, no. It's not bad. 
It's, I'm giving you a first-class ticket to Egypt and, and sparing you from your brothers. See, we, we have an association with a pit. We think of a pit well because it's lower that it's, you know, it's, it's a devaluing, it's a disenfranchising. It's, we, we don't want to be under anything in this world, right? We want to be over. But let me tell you something. Under, under doesn't mean over. Like we think that if we're under something, it's, it's game over. Nope. If we're under stress, if we're under financial strain, if we're under the weight of a, a failing relationship or a failing marriage, it's over. Mm -mm, not with God. See, God's a little different. His plan's a little different. Under doesn't mean over. Let me explain. What do I have here? I've got a pot with some dirt in it, right? So that's awesome. You have a pot with some dirt. Real profound there, Johnny. Well, the thing is, that's not just a pot with dirt. That's life getting ready to sprout forward, right? That, that's, that's birth that's, that's being generated because underneath the soil, there's a seed that I planted. You wanna know what I planted? I ain't gonna tell you. You have to come back next week and find out. There's a seed underneath there. And, and, and it's dark, it's cold, it's kind of constricting and confining, but it's life that is being generated right beneath the surface. Under doesn't mean over. And why? Why is it gonna sprout forth? Because it's under. If I'd have laid that seed on top, probably wouldn't have made it. But there's a good chance, even with me, I'm not a green thumb, but even with me, there's a good chance it's going to sprout forth. Why? Because it's in the right position, right? And sometimes you feel like, well, I'm in the pit. I'm under. Well, you know, God's saying, I got you right where you, I want you. I'm about to birth something new. I'm about to bring a new season. Life is about to sprout forth, right? But it's all because of the position. It's all because we're under. God's got us right where he wants us. You know, the cool thing is, someone say amen. amen. I'm not going to let you sleep tonight. Oh, no. No, this is not a sleepy church. If you're new, uh, welcome. But we, 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 you know, we like, it's NASCAR season. It's back. It's NASCAR. All those rednecks love that. But, but we will not, I will not on my watch let you give more praise to, to the NASCAR, unless it's number nine. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, we're going to give God our praise, right? We, we need to be excited, man. If people walk in here and visit our church, and we're like a bunch of lame, this is not a convalescent home, okay? I mean, we are, we are here talking about the truth from God's word that, by the way, we need. Because God does seem cruel sometimes. And, you know, we got to figure this out because people are watching us, and they're watching how we respond to God's word and to, to, to stress and to duress. The church, this church was a result of a pit moment for me. God took me down to the pit. Right? Because he needed to teach me something. And, he, and, and it was in the bottom of that pit that he broke me and, and taught me some stuff that I needed for this journey. This journey wouldn't have happened. This church wouldn't have happened, at least not with me, had God not taken me down in the pit. Under doesn't mean over. The greatest moments of our lives are often a result of the lowest moments in our life. <laughs> Thank you. Someone's with me tonight. Number two, the second P to God's plan is prison. Wait, wait, you're telling me God's plan for me is not only a pit, but a prison? Thank you, that's super encouraging, right? No, the, 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 prison frees us. I know that's, it sounds like an oxymoron, but prison is actually the, the vehicle through which God sets us free. Look, Joseph arrives in Egypt. God blesses and promotes him to being over the household of a high-ranking Egyptian official named Potiphar. Now, the Bible tells us that, uh, that um, he was well-built 
and handsome. Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. I actually have a picture of Joseph. I just lost all the ladies, see? Come on, bring it back, girls. Which, you think, oh, that's awesome. Okay, he was a good-looking guy. The Bible says that. He's well-built and handsome. Now, the problem is, is that wasn't a problem for him, but it was a problem for Potiphar's wife, right, who pursued him. She had the Fifty Shades of Sin going on. And no, I didn't watch that movie, and I would challenge you not to either. Uh, but she tried to seduce him, and he evaded her. He ran, and which that's a whole other lesson in itself, man. When, when sin's coming, let's run from sin, right? But uh, he ran, and so she's, you know, went and crying and, and got him thrown in prison. Awesome, right? Not awesome if you're, if you're Joseph. But listen to God's account. He, he, he wins the favor of, of, of the, the warden there in prison. But listen, listen how God describes it, right? He, we, we believe the author here in Genesis is, is Moses. And so he has Moses write this down. Here's what he writes. So the warden uh, put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made reasonable, or I'm sorry, made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success, gave him success in whatever he did. Really? God, that's how you define success? First the pit, now prison. Oh, and by the way, as best as we can estimate, he rotted in prison for 13 years. I wonder if you were to ask Joseph what he thought, if he would say, yeah, God's given me success in everything I've done. <laughs> I'm guessing not. 13, I mean, after the 13th day, he's probably like, you know, he's looking at the door, right? And thinking, okay, I, I, I did the right thing, man. I ran from sin, God. I, I'm living a righteous life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not like I went out and, and, and you know, had a relationship with her. I did the right thing. You're going to deliver me, right, God? Keeps looking at the door. God, not today. 13 days. And then 13 days turns, turns into 13 months. And 13 years? Are you kidding me? What's going on? He did the right thing. He didn't mess up. What's going on? The point is, when God's got us in prison, it doesn't feel like success. And yet, it's exactly where we need to be. Seems cruel, but sometimes God takes the long way around because the long way around is the shortest way home. The irony is that God would use prison to free Joseph. You say, free him from what? I don't know. We, we didn't get that part of the story. We'll have to wait to, for heaven. We'll find out in heaven, right? But, but I don't know what he, what he was trying to set him free from, but I can tell you this. 1 John 1.5, God is a light and in him is no darkness. Whatever God was up to, it was for his good. He was setting him free for something because when God does these things, he's not a cruel, sick God. He's not diabolical, right? He's doing stuff for our good, even if we can't see it. Now, prisons look a lot different for us. It may not be a cell that we're in. Your prison might be your marriage. It might be a job that you can't stand. It might be a family member or it might be a sickness. But oftentimes God takes us, his plan takes us to prison. And listen to this. This is a, this is a good truth. God changes our place to change our pace. God changes our place so that he can change our pace. There's a closeness that you can only get with God if you slow down. We don't slow down. We don't live in a slow world. Who slows down? I, I, I'm, 
I'm one of the pastors here at this church, and, and it's hard for me to slow down. So I, I'm trying to, you know, do that myself. I talked to a pastor friend of mine this week from another church, and he said he, he, he was having this moment with God, this alone time with God, and his wife walked in. He's just crying, he said, like a baby. And his wife's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm just having a moment with God. And she walks out, you know. I thought, yeah, I, I get that, right? Because when we slow down, and oftentimes to slow down, we need to change our place so that we can change our pace. And by the way, uh, God will help you with that. Right? I mean, come on. You, you, right? God has a way of helping with that. Uh, I, I need a couple of volunteers. Uh, I, I, need, uh, I need like a large man. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sean, for sure. Sean, I got you, Sean. You, you fall into the large man category in a good way. Uh, who else is a large man? You're not large. Be thankful for that, brother. There's a blessing in that. Uh, yeah. Have you been lifting? All right. Uh, yeah, come on up. Come on up. All right, come on up, guys. I'm teasing. All right. So what I, what I need you to do, this is, this is the way of God. So, so can I, can I, I can't believe I tried to arm wrestle you. What was I thinking? That was so stupid. I'm going to tell him the story someday. Yeah, fun for you. I don't know what I was thinking. That was not one of my brighter moments. Okay, so box me in here. Push, put some, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is what God does. I'm feeling a little bit more strength from this side. Can you give me a little more? Oh, there you go. There you go. All right. How much do you weigh? About 200. 200? Mm-hmm. Really? You eat a lot of protein? No. You're pretty good no. there, man. Are you sucking in? No. All right. How much do you weigh? 240. 240, all right. That'd be good. That'd be go- Maybe they can arm wrestle later. But okay, so they're, they're putting some pressure. And this is what God calls, or what A.B. Simpson would call a spiritual splint, right? Like, I mean, I can't move left, I can't move right, and, and God's got me exactly where I want. Put that quote, put that uh, quote up on the screen, would you? Because I'm starting to lose circulation. <laughs> is, it, is it up there? Yep. Okay, yeah. If you're lucky, God will allow something to happen to you that you cannot fix, cannot control, or not even understand what's going on here, guys. At, the, at that point, true spiritual formation begins. Isn't that good? Thanks, guys. Give me a hand, because you guys are killing me. Wow. But that's, that's how God works. Sometimes, like, he's got this in, uh, us in this prison where we just can't move. And we're like, God, what's going on? And God, just, just, just trust me. I got you where I want you. It's going to be a little bit painful, but, uh, but I'm doing something. I'm doing a good work in that place. But let me warn you. Prison can be comfy. Yeah? Amen is right. Prison, I know it sounds weird. Prison can be comfy. Bondage has its benefits. Prison, if, we don't, if we're not careful, it will become our identity. There are, uh, are addicts who like numbing the pain. There are homeless people who like being homeless because there's not as much responsibility. There are hurt people who like being mad because it's easier to be mad than to forgive. It's easier to be the, the victim than it is to be the vessel. God has not called the gathering church to be a bunch of little victims. You know, God has great, victory has a name. 
We sang about it. And his name is Jesus. And we need to step into the authority of Christ. He did not call us to be a bunch of defeated, disenfranchised, whining, mumbling, groaning little babies. Mm -mm. No, man, he called us to be victorious. But we have to choose to be victorious. We have to step into that. And let me just keep it real. Church people can be the most victimized people in the world. As if God owes, you know what God owes us? Jack Dilly Squaw. He owes us, the wages of sin is death. Oh, you thought I was going to say it. I don't know. We're authentic, but, and, and I'm a work in progress, but I, I'm not going there. God, the wages of sin is death. Like, we deserve death. And he died for us. So we don't, we don't deserve anything, right? And yet he's given us so much. But church people, we can walk around and be like, you know, from, and we bounce from church to church, Right? And, and, and I, I, I love you, and, and there's a place for messy people, but messy, there's a difference between messy and bringing a mess in, which we all do, and being entitled. We live in an entitled world, man. And God, God, please help us not be an entitled church because I look around in every church I feel like I've been in, and I'm part of the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at myself, guys. We're entitled. And I, on, on my watch, man, I'm not gonna facilitate or enable or cosign on, on an entitled group of, of Christians who think they deserve something. We deserve death. By the grace of God, he has given us life, and we have to choose to step into that. What did Jesus say? What did he say? He said to the, in, in uh, John 5, to the person who was an invalid, he was dis- disabled for 38 years. What did he ask him? He said, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well, or do you want to sit there for another 38 years? Oh, that sounds cruel. No, that's not cruel. That's God saying, I've got victory for you. I've got blessing for you. I've got healing. And it has a name, and his name is Jesus. Not the gathering church, not John Lipinski, not Pastor Dan. His name is Jesus. We're always pointing to him, but victory has a name. And you know what, buddy? You can step into that victory, but you have to choose. And he asked him, do you want to be well? And that's what God's asking us today. Do you want to live in prison, to stay in prison? Prison's a good place because God's got us there. But that's not supposed to be our final resting place. That is a transitionary place for the Christian. Best movie ever, Shawshank Redemption. All right? And I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Here's another scene from the movie. Remember when, 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 when Red was played by Morgan Freeman? Who, he was getting ready to get out. He's getting ready to get out, right? And, and he's talking to Andy Dufresne. And he's like, uh, and, and Red's like, man, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to get out. He goes, in here, I, I, I mean something, you know? People look up to me, you know? And, and Andy said something. He looked at Red in the eyes and said, Red, you need to get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. Ooh, as a Christian, God's whispering that to us tonight. He's saying, do you want to be well? Well, then get busy living because I've got victory. And, and, and by the way, the victory will intersect you on a path of prison. So you're going to go through prison. So prison's not a bad place. But if you want to stay in prison, that's on you. If your identity is wrapped up in what you do or being a victim, that's on you. God's got a plan, and it takes us through prison, but we're not meant to stay there. Why? Because point number three, the palace, the third P, the palace awaits us. Finally, Joseph got a break. He was able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. Remember? You remember there's going to be seven years of famine, uh, or seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. And he's like, man, you got to store up uh, grain. And so he was able to interpret the dreams. That landed him a first-class ticket out of prison into the palace. Uh, it also landed him a great gig. He was governor of Egypt, second in command, right? Pretty cool. Genesis 41, 
Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Pretty cool deal right there. But here's the thing. What was the key? How did that happen? Because Joseph stayed out of the way of God's plan. Man, how many times have I gotten in the way of the plan that God had? And, and, and I elongated that. I, I exacerbated the problem, right? I, I made it harder for myself because I, I got in the way of God's plan. Like, we would be wise to keep our little hands out of the deal and say, God, I don't like this. I don't like the pit. I don't like the prison. I kind of dig the palace. But if I'm not ready for the palace yet and you need to keep me in the pit or the prison for a little longer, I'm okay with that. Right? But we try to fix things. We try to take matters in our own hand. We always mess it up. He had the ability, Joseph, not to do that. He was faithful in the pit. He was faithful in the prison. And it landed him a way out. And check this out. Verse 33. He was even faithful in the palace. He, uh, he was explaining to, to, to Pharaoh what he needed to do. And here's what he said in verse 33. He said, you need to find a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land to store up grain. What would you have said, right? You just interpreted the dream like he's kind of digging you, you know? I, I'm telling you, I would have been like, you need to find a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land, preferably someone who's well-built and handsome, maybe a Hebrew, maybe son of a farmer, maybe someone who knows how to interpret dreams, right? He, he didn't try to insert himself into the will of God. He kept his hands out and just said, I'm the messenger. Here's what God says to do. And God blessed that. He was like, any football fans in here? He was like a, a, a faithful receiver. What, is it, what does a good receiver do? He runs the stinking route. Because what happens if he changes the route, the quarterback goes back to pass, and we're supposed to go this way, and he went that way. Well, I just, I just changed the route, you know? No, you don't change the route. You run the, you run the route that God gives you. God's the quarterback, we're the receiver, right? Joseph was the receiver, and so are we. And I can just imagine God in the huddle. You know, you know anybody play backyard football? What do you do? You always draw the play up on your hand, right? In your, your little huddle. And you're like, okay, Joseph, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, when I say hike, I snap the ball. You go forward, and then I want you to zig over here to the pit. Then I want you to zag over here to the prison. And then, after that, make a break for the end zone known as the palace. So Joseph looks at him and says, um, hey, uh, okay, God, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm going to run my butt off. But, but here's the thing. Can I just go right to the, to the, to the palace? I have to do all that zigzag. I mean, we get there quicker. It'd be easier. Less tiring. The line doesn't have to block as long. I mean, right? God's like, no, no, no. I, I need you to zig. I need you to zag to those two places and then to the end zone. I need, I need a volunteer. Anybody, any, anybody play uh, football? I saw you grab your wife's leg right there. You play football? Right there, with the nice hair. I'm talking to you. Don't act like, like a, you play football? Oh, dang. Oh, Kenny played football. Come on up here, Kenny. Come on up here, Kenny. Are, are you mad because I didn't pick you for the big man? Well, I was thinking. Yeah, that's okay. I'm not that what position do you play? Running back. Running back. But you have good hands, right? Because I'm kind of needing the receiver right now. Are you a good one? You can catch, right? A good running back also has good hands, right? 
So here's what God does. Well, we'll stay with football and then we'll change it to God. When you run, any good quarterback is going to not throw the ball to the person, right? We say, start running. Go ahead, start running. Uh, Can you go up there? I'm gonna throw it to you. I'm gonna throw it to the person. (laughs) Wait a second. You said throw to the person. Uh, I need that ball back, by the way. Thank you, brother. Here you go. Throw like a girl. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I threw to where you were at. When you were running, I looked at where you're at and I threw to where you're at. A quarterback doesn't throw to where the person is at at the time he or she releases the ball. He leads the receiver where he's going. If you throw it to where you're at, <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I let that one go. Too many kids here. So let me, let me show you what I mean. So can you, can you get on for, for real this time? I'm gonna lead you, okay? Get going. Oh, I had it! Oh! Those steps. Hey, hey, guess what? At the new place? Oh, yeah. Oh! Left hand. Nice. That was a good, you had that, man. And you had to navigate that step because if you'd have fell down, I'm telling you, they wouldn't have remembered anything about my message. They'd have been, what's the dude's name that face planted? But, but, you see, but you see what I mean? God, like a quarterback, leads the receiver. And what do we do? We got to run the route, and then we got to run underneath and catch up to where God is leading us. The destination was always the palace, right? It intersected the pit. It went through the 13-year prison, but God was always throwing to his destination, which is the palace and that is where God is throwing us to the palace and let me me just yeah amen is right and so we got to run the route right sometimes we we, we we run run a quick out right like this we know what that quick out was the quick little slant we call it in football that was life spring and some people like they don't let go of life spring they want what we had at life spring God says that's the slant. That was part of the journey. And yay God for what he did at LifeSpring. And thankful for the people who were faithful to plant at LifeSpring. Thank God for you. I pray for you. But we were never meant to stay at LifeSpring. <laughs> and so God said, that was the zig. And now I want you to zag and go a little bit deeper. We came here. All right? This was the, the zig that now we're in the zag. And, and forgive me, as, as pastor, forgive me for my little wimpy faith because I was starting to get comfortable in, in here, in the kind of like prison. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I don't know if I really want to move, God. Oh, I mean, this is, I mean, there's a lot of people, but you know, we start to rationalize, right? And God says, oh, no, no, I'm not throwing you there. That's not where the ball's going. The ball's going to where I'm leading you. Where's he leading us? Well, the next stop on the journey is, is, is Willow. But make no mistake, that's not the palace. That's not the palace. Uh, the palace for the Christian is, is eternity, right? That's where ultimately he's throwing us. He's throwing us into eternity. And, and by the way, don't get ahead of God. Because sometimes we'll, we try to run ahead and God's like, you got ahead of me. 
You need to wait on that ball. Run up to the ball, but don't run ahead of the ball. So the next stop for the, the gathering, the next chapter in our story is Willow. And I'm excited, man. God's going to do some awesome things. It's a better, yeah, it's a, it's a better venue. I mean, like, I'm thankful. There's another 150 seats, and we, we meet on, uh, on Sunday. And I know there's people that want to meet on Saturday. And if we could, we, we'd do both. But we don't have that option, so we're going on Sunday. And that's going to enable more people to come. And, and to say, well, I like, yeah, listen, let's not, let's not be entitled. Who cares what we like? I, I know that sounds terrible. Oh, that's a terrible growth strategy. I'm not into a growth strategy. I'm into a strategy that points people to Jesus. God gave us a vision to save the city. He's going to save the city, and he's going to use jokers like us. He's going to do it. I'm telling you, God's doing great things, and he's throwing us. He's leading us into a great new season. But we got to be faithful like Joseph. And, and, and guys, it's hard. It's hard. You put up that picture of God's plan. Put that up, will you? You saw me post this on Facebook. This is, there's our plan, right? Straight line. <laughs> and then there's the real plan, God's plan with all those hills and valleys and all sorts of pitfalls, right? That's God's plan. God's plan is slow. God's plan is painful. And yet it is totally and completely necessary. A.W. Tozer said this, it will cost something to walk slow in the parade of ages while excited men of time rush about confusing motion with progress. But if we pay, but, but it will pay in the long run and the true Christian is not much interested in anything short of that. Did you hear that? It's going to cost you something when you walk slow. <laughs> but we serve a God who, quite frankly, he's not in any hurry. And I know that's frustrating. Ask my wife. I'm impatient in traffic, and I'm working on it. <laughs> but God's not in a hurry. God's work takes a little time. And he's up to, if we trust him, he's up to something good. And let me just say this. The majority of the time, the majority of God's plan positions us in the pit or prison. We, we, we want the palace. But the majority of, of this life, contrary to the uh, prosperity messages you will hear if you turn your television on, the majority of this life is spent in the pit. It is spent in prison. Why? Because it was never about our happiness. It was about our holiness. And God's doing something, but when, when, when he tries to change folks, when he, when he tries to get a hold of your heart, sometimes he squeezes and it hurts. But what it does produces something that could not have happened had it not been for the pit or for the prison. You don't get the end zone. You don't get the touchdown. You don't get to spike the football if you don't first go through the pit and the prison. Why? Because the longest way around is the shortest way home. Let's pray. Maybe today as we, we, we go before God in prayer, maybe uh, you feel like, man, I, you know what? He's talking to me. I'm in the pit. Or maybe you're in a prison. And maybe you're just struggling. You know, this is a safe place. You can't be honest in church. Where can you be honest? So come as you are today. Be real. Maybe, maybe you just say, you know, I just need prayer. 
First of all, we believe in prayer in this church. There's a pastoral uh, partners who will be here after the service. If you want specific prayer, take me up on that. They take that ministry serious, and so do we. But maybe for some people, it's just more general. And you just say, you know what, I, I, I just want you to pray for me now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in the pit, if you're struggling, if you're in this tough spot, I just want to pray for you. I'm no one special, but I love Jesus, and I'm praying to a, a God who uh, can do great things. And so if, if you want prayer today, maybe you're in, a, in that spot, say, you know what, I just need prayer. I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Let me know who I'm praying for. Amen, 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 amen. Lord, I thank you for those people who are in a, in a tough spot. God, uh, we confess we don't get you. But we also realize that as Christians, we're called to exercise faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please you, you say in your word. And so today we exercise faith. In the bottom of our despair, in the, in the deepest pit that we find ourselves in, we cry out to a God who is doing something great in that place. And we recognize that under does not mean over, that you are doing great things in very deep places of our life. Hear the cries of your people and move us on, God. Move us out of the pit and on to the next place in your sweet timing. And if we need to marinate there a bit longer, then give us the faith we need. Help us exercise the faith we need to be faithful like Joseph in the bottom of a pit. God, we thank you. If you have us in prison today, whatever that prison looks like, God, that you are doing something great and that we wouldn't get used to it. We wouldn't stay there longer than need be. We wouldn't become entitled victims, but we would step into the victory in due season, in your perfect timing. We know your timing is perfect. We don't always understand it, but we trust you. We trust what you're doing. We know that you're up to good. And so, God, when the, when the enemy whispers lies to us in the midst of our vulnerability, God, I pray that we're not gullible. I pray that we don't buy into the lie of the enemy when he whispers to us that we know that you're up to good, that we know that you're faithful, that we know that you're not going to abandon the very people you left heaven to dwell among. God, we thank you that we don't doubt in the dark what you've shown us in the light. We trust you, and we trust your timing. You are not cruel. You are just. You are good, and you love us.